Welcome to Commune, a global wellness community and online course platform featuring some of the world's greatest teachers. We are on a mission to inspire, heal, pass down wisdom, and bring the world closer together. This is the Commune Podcast, where each week we explore the ideas and practices that help us live this healthy, connected, and purpose-filled life. You can learn more about our courses, our community, and everything we do at onecommune.com. Commune's monthly membership includes more than 75 courses covering a wide spectrum of topics related to personal and societal well-being, from personal development, meditation, and spirituality, to functional medicine, permaculture, and social activism. We have built such an incredible library of teachers and programs that it seems only logical to leverage this podcast as a means to further spread these valuable ideas. So keep an eye out for these lessons alongside new interviews and other musings. Today's episode is an excerpt from Dr. James Gordon's Commune course, Transforming Trauma, which shows you how to move from the wounded states of trauma to wholeness so you can be free to live a rich and fulfilling life. You can enjoy this program for free for five days at onecommune.com slash transform. This particular lesson discusses the different ways eating habits can reduce stress, enhance resiliency, and promote healing. Stress and trauma impact your digestive system just as profoundly as they affect your brain. And everything that happens in your digestive tract in turn affects your mental health. So I hope you enjoy this lesson with Dr. James Gordon. Hi, everyone. Uh, Welcome to this next lesson, which is on mindful eating and the trauma healing diet. So we'll be discussing how stress and trauma affect our digestive system and what we can do about it. What we can do about it by changing what we eat and how we eat. And then we'll be doing an experiment, an experiment with mindful eating, with eating in a way that will maximize the uh, efficiency and effectiveness of our gastrointestinal tract. And that will also help us eat in a way that is um, healthy, healthy for us, not only physically, but psychologically. And a way of eating that may also profoundly change our lives. Before we move into the formal part to the main course of the lesson, if you will, let's sit for a moment or two and breathe together. So make yourself comfortable and uh, allow your breathing to deepen. Let your eyes close. Breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. Relaxing a little with each exhalation. I don't know about you, I've already had a very busy day and I need to let go of what's happened to bring myself completely here so that I'm only here with you and I'm not thinking about what happened before or what is going to have to happen later on. Because what's happening now is me and you. And the way I can be here most easily is by remembering to breathe slowly and deeply 
as I am now. In through my nose, out through my mouth, with my belly soft and relaxed. Focusing, concentrating on the breath and on the word soft as I breathe in. And you do the same. Concentrate on soft as you breathe in and belly as you breathe out. Feeling your whole body relax a little more with each exhalation. If thoughts come, let them come. Notice them, let them go. Gently bring your mind back to soft, belly. Couple of more slow, deep breaths. Okay, let's open our eyes and let our attention come back into the room. Welcome back. Now, the subject of this lesson, mindful eating and the trauma healing diet. It may seem mm, a little out of place, perhaps. You're wondering, what does food and eating have to do with traumatic experiences I've experienced and with the stress or with the stress that I'm, that I'm going through? How can, how can that make a difference? And uh, it, it's a good question. And in all the books that I read, on trauma when I was doing research and preparing to write Transforming Trauma myself, 
I didn't feel that there was any really good discussion of the incredible power that food has to change the trajectory of our experience uh, after we've been traumatized. And so I wrote a long chapter, uh, as I mentioned, it's, it's chapter 10 uh, in Transforming Trauma about a tra the trauma healing diet. And the reason it's so important and the reason it was a bit puzzling to me that nobody else had really written about it is because trauma affects our digestion just as profoundly as it affects our brain. And secondly, because everything that happens in our digestive tract also has an effect on everything else that's happening in our body and all the cells in our body, including the cells in our brain. And so what's going on in our stomach and our intestine, what's going on with the secretions from the liver and the gallbladder and the pancreas into the intestine, that in turn affects the way we feel, how clearly we can think, and how well we deal with stress. In this lesson, I'm going to touch on the high points, really the critical points of how trauma and stress affect digestion, how in turn digestion affects the way we feel and think and cope with the stressors in our lives, and then a little bit, some guidelines about how to eat. And then in the final part, we'll have an experiment with mindful eating, and we'll talk about how useful mindful eating can be in transforming trauma. So let's begin. When we have been traumatized or are under stress, every part of our gastrointestinal tract from the very top, from our what's called the cephalic phase of digestion, which refers to the head, what we think and how we relate to food, all the way down through the esophagus and the stomach and the small and large intestine, all the way through the process of assimilation of food and excretion of waste matter that's left over, every part is affected by stress and trauma. So briefly, if we're anxious and agitated as we are in fight or flight, our food choices tend to be a bit sketchy and we tend to eat very fast. And that eating fast in turn produces a great deal of gas and disrupts uh, the process that's going on in, in our stomach, first of all, and it may alter uh, sometimes reduce the amount of acid in the stomach that we need for digestion. So that's head down to the stomach. In the small intestine, where the overwhelming majority of assimilation of nutrients take place, the disruption is, is very significant. In addition to the small intestine not being as efficient, because if you remember in fight or flight, digestion's kind of shut down, what also happens is that the cells that line the small intestine, which ordinarily are very close together, they're called endothelial cells because they're on the interior of the small intestine. When we're in a state of calm and relaxation and life is okay, those 
cells are close together. They have what's called tight junctions. And food can't pass through between those cells and into the bloodstream. So the only food, the only nutrients that are going into the bloodstream, with some exceptions, are those that are well digested, that are meant to diffuse, to cross from the small intestine into the bloodstream. However, when we've been traumatized after war, the pandemic, or after a loss, or, or when the stress is chronic, those cells that lie in the small intestine often separate. And so molecules of food that are not meant to go into the bloodstream go into the bloodstream. And many different kinds of molecules. The best known and perhaps the most damaging to us is gluten, which is a protein and part of wheat and rye and barley and, and many other grains. Uh, ordinarily, for most of us, unless we have celiac disease specific condition, gluten doesn't diffuse across the small intestine into the bloodstream. When we've been traumatized or under stress, it's much more likely to. And it goes throughout the bloodstream. And in many instances, it causes an inflammatory response because it's not meant to be there. And so our body responds to protect us. When this happens in the brain, it may create symptoms of anxiety, of depression, and of cognitive disturbance. We may not think so clearly. Second major consequence in the small intestine is a disruption in the microbiome. That's a word that's become very um, current, very fashionable, and appropriately so recently. Microbiome refers to the trillions, literally trillions of bacteria which live in our digestive system. Primarily in the small intestine, there are the good bacteria. There are the ones that help us to function. There are the ones that communicate, interestingly, through the vagus nerve with our brain. And when we're in a state of psychological and physiological balance, we have an overwhelming majority of those good bacteria in our small intestine. After trauma, under ongoing stress, that can change. And the bad bacteria, the ones that cause disease, uh, grow more um, abundant. Sometimes they migrate from the large intestine into the small intestine and then multiply there. Sometimes the ones in the small intestine multiply more. Now, why is this important? When the microbiome composition changes, then the signals that the microbiome, those trillions of bacteria, are sending to the rest of our bodies also get damaged. Those signals are not the sort of pure go-ahead, uh, here's a instruction about how to work well in the immune system, here are instructions conveyed to the brain through that vagus nerve that we talked about right at the beginning of our time together that helped the brain rebuild itself when it's under stress and when it's traumatized. So the microbiome is disrupted and the signals that are going to the brain are not providing a clear message or a, a strong positive message. So we're not getting the regeneration of the brain that is possible.
And then excretion, too, is affected. Under stress or trauma, sometimes people become constipated. And that, in turn, causes problems, may cause problems for the microbiome, may cause problems for digestion. Or we develop diarrhea, and we may be losing nutrients because of the diarrhea. And uh, we're certainly losing water. We're out of balance. So, an intrinsic and critically important part of healing ourselves when we've suffered trauma or when we're going through ongoing stress is through what we eat. Hippocrates famously said 2,500 years ago, Hippocrates, the father, the founder of our Western medicine, said, let food be your medicine and medicine your food. And of course, for the most part, medicine has forgotten about that. And too many doctors say, it doesn't matter what you eat or don't worry about it. Uh, it's going to be okay. Well, a lot of doctors don't know a great deal about nutrition. So this is one of those areas where it's really important that you learn for yourself the, the basic scientific facts. And as I said, I've just given you a, a touched on a few of the high points in my much longer discussion of how uh, trauma and stress affect digestion. And that you then take what you've learned and use your common sense and design a diet that will maximize your gastrointestinal tract's opportunity to heal itself and to bring balance and healing to every cell in your body, including every cell in your brain. So if you think about it, and think about what I just described in terms of how trauma and stress affect digestion, the remedy to that becomes reasonably straightforward. So you want to start off by quieting yourself, calming yourself, decreasing that stress that's affecting the cephalic phase of digestion, the tension, the anxiety, which not only prompts poor food choices, but also um, affects every aspect of digestion. And uh, we often try to do this, try to work with the anxiety and the stress that we're feeling, that the, the uh, technique that we sometimes come up with spontaneously and understandably is we eat comfort foods. What are comfort foods? Those are foods that are, tend to be highly processed. They're high in sugar. They're high in fat. They're high in salt. Maybe they're the foods our mom or whoever took care of us gave us when we were, when we were little that made us feel good. And it's understandable that we go to comfort foods because that sugar in our bloodstream, that easily accessible sugar, quiets the stress response. It lowers the level of cortisol, lowers the level of norepinephrine. It increases serotonin, which is a calming neurotransmitter. It increases levels of endorphins, so we don't feel so much distress and pain. It's a short-term solution, however, because long-term, long-term, those good feelings start going away. So you have to eat more and more of that comfort food. And then over time, what happens is there's a kind of rebound. 
So you put out more stress hormones, you put out more cortisol, more adrenaline, you decrease the levels of endorphins, you decrease serotonin. So you feel more depressed, you feel more anxious, uh, and your digestion suffers more, and you set yourself up for chronic illness because a diet of highly processed, sugary, salty, fatty foods is a precursor of so many chronic illnesses. So what you do to address this cephalic phase, to find a way to quiet yourself down, and I'm speaking to you, but I'm also talking about myself, what I do is I make sure that I'm spending time bringing my body and mind into balance with soft belly breathing on a regular basis. And I'm acknowledging this need for comfort food. But instead of eating a pint of ice cream, what I've learned to do is eat three tablespoons of ice cream, and I feel quite satisfied. You may not believe me, but you have to do the experiment yourself. It's really very, very interesting. Because what I've found over the years, and many people tell me they've also found, is that they taste uh, the first few bites of a food. Oh, it's so delicious. I've had this experience many times. And then 10 minutes later, I look down at my plate and it's all gone. Where did it go? I'm really not tasting a great deal or not even paying that much attention after those first couple of bites. So don't get down on yourself because you crave comfort foods or even because you eat them. Just eat less and you'll get a little bit of peace and quiet and you won't get the overwhelming jolt of sugar and all that salt and you won't become addicted. You'll see it and you'll experience these comfort foods as a kind of treat. So that's two ways to deal with the cephalic phase of digestion that is disrupted when we've been traumatized or under stress. One is stay in this place as much as you can of relaxed moment-to-moment -moment awareness. The second is understand the comfort food cravings. It's, it's not a moral failing. It's a biological, um, a biological nudge. Pay attention, respond a little bit, and um, see what happens. Do the experiment. Beyond that, and we'll come back to this later, begin to think a little more clearly, a little more patiently about what you want to eat and how you want to prepare it, and then eat in a way that's more relaxed and mindful. And we'll come back to that a little bit later. I just wanted to put that in here because that's the, uh, that's the capstone, or that's the uh, arms around this change in uh, our process of thinking about and selecting and preparing foods and eating foods. This is the way we can bring everything together for the cephalic phase of eating so that we're eating in a mindful and healthy way. Thanks for listening. As always, 
feel free to email me at jeffk at onecommune.com or follow me on Instagram at Jeff Krasman. And make my mom proud. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's all from the commune for this week. My name is Jeff Krasna, and I am here for you.